Shut up and sit down. Clapping. Okay. Welcome to the. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Super Movie Studies Podcast, a community of superhero movie fans, teachers, and students, people looking to discover more about superheroes and the world because both are awesome. I'm your comic book cultured host, Michael Maurer, joined by the movie maestro. I'm Skylar Houtsma. And the scientific scholar, Ben Anderson. SMSP is your premier movie discussion podcast. Every week, we continue our journey exploring our favorite subject, superhero movies. Every fan sees the movies differently. We gather some amateur experts to discuss certain aspects of the movie. Whether it's money, comic books, music, science, Murakuru, SMSP talks about it all in this week's episode. I want to serve the people, Starling. Not the men and women who think they own it. Together we can help rebuild our city into a place where there are no elites and no oppressed. Where we are all brothers and sisters. So your campaign begins. The city needs a leader. And putting the copycat hoods up to assassinate the mayor was just the first step. The vigilante. He destroyed the centrifuge and the serum along with it. I will arrange for you to receive another sample of my blood, and then you can begin to mass-produce the serum again. When I ask you not to confront the vigilante, you will listen. Remember, your mask can be worn by another. You know who he is under that hood, don't you? I know exactly who he is. He's my friend. That's why you don't want him dead. Death would be a release from this life, and his sentence is yet to be carried out. I am going to tear everything he cares about away from him. Destroy those who choose to follow him. Corrupt those he loves. Once he has lost everyone, and everything he values. I will drive an arrow through his eye. Arrow Season 2. And yes, there will be spoilers. We're cruising right along through the Arrow's seasons. Mostly this is our big lead-up to St. Patrick's Day, everybody! Enjoy, uh how St. Patrick chased all the snakes out of Ireland when there were never snakes in Ireland to begin with, or something like that. I don't know. were snakes and still are. I don't know the tale. I don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day outside of what the world tells me to. Just drink a green beer, I guess, if you're over 21. Remember that, kids. No underage drinking. <laughs> although, <laughs> although you might need to... Sometimes during this season. Because um, <laughs> first opinions, uh, I'll go first while I'm, while I'm speaking. Season two of Arrow excels season one, surpasses. It is fantastic. I mean, wow. You've got a devastating villain. 
The stakes have been raised. You're no longer the, there's there's a lot less fluff in this season. A lot less, you know, just Arrow fighting a random Batman villain and then doing that for 40 minutes while he contemplates how badly he gets along with his family. Now we have Arrow going off against a tactical genius for 24 hours, 22 hours, pretty close to that amount. And it is fantastic. People die. Emotional tensions are torn and all this other stuff. It is truly some must-watch television of the geeky variety. Skylar, go ahead. I will echo that sentiment in that I thought uh, season two of Arrow um, sticks out in memory as being more fun, engaging, um, kept pulling me back to it uh, more than the first season did. And the first season was really good, so that's saying something about season two. Uh, a lot a lot of it probably had to do with the fact that I just like Deathstroke as a character and seeing this version of that character done so well was a treat minus his motivation, which was just stupid as stupid can be. Um, season did have a few uh, spots where it just uh, kind of fell flat on its face. Like, remember how Summer Glau was in this season? I didn't until well, the end. <laughs> she was, I liked her as this sort of person rivaling for Ollie's finances because it pulled him back into the company because before you're like is he just like not giving a crap about the fact that he runs a multi-million dollar company and he had to pay attention when Summer Glaub was in the was in the shots that's true but then she just kind of disappeared for a big swath and would just show up in parts and then the show just kind of punted her right out of the season at the end in the most unceremonious way possible. So. Yeah, that was pretty silly. She she didn't close well, but I say her her presence was well received in the in in the most part. <laughs> mm-hmm. And probably another really successful thing about this show is that it got further away from the more grounded approach of season one and did take that more comic book accurate uh, vibe, and it made it work. Popcorn Ben. I didn't watch it. So let's talk about ratings. Yeah. All right. Where do you get these ratings uh, stats from, Skylar? It's called from a site called TV Series Finale. Uh, usually they publish them at the end of every uh, season just to see how they did, whatnot. And uh, actually, it looks like season two's ratings were a lot more thorough than what they had for season one, which is good because we have more to talk about now. Yeah, uh, you hear you have here highest episode was episode eight when they did the Barry Allen crossover, the Flash crossover. Before Flash was, it was just like, hey, the Flash is going to be a TV show in like five months. Get right. ready for it. And it's then, like, hey, yeah, we're doing a backdoor pilot, and if this goes over well, he might get his own show. I don't know. Oh, he he was getting his own show at that point. Yeah. Um, and three point two four million. Man, that's a that's a whole another million better than season one. It's true. That is true. Although season one was, mm, I think season one's average was 
that, if I'm not mistaken. It's so. close to 2.5. I don't know. We did this a week ago. How the hell do we don't remember? <laughs> I, I, a lot happens in a week anyway. I'm very hungry. <laughs> oh, don't ever do the show hungry, Ben. Oh. I know. I even had a thing of Cheez-Its. Oh, good. Carbohydrates. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Anyway, as you mentioned, highest uh, episode in the ratings was the first half of the Barry Allen two-parter. Lowest episode was uh, episode 20, which featured Roy rampaging around on Mirakuru. But even at the lowest rated episode, it still brought in 2.19 million. So even Arrow's worst episode is better than a lot of shows. Hey, man. And you know what? That Rampaging Roy episode is still one of my favorites. I loved yeah. Roy. I loved any moment where Roy was on Mirakuru. Is it yeah, just I don't th- this extra dynamic element to the team? Mm-hmm. I don't think it had anything to do with um, the the content of the episode so much as yeah. hey, people are you know just starting to kind of tune out until the season finale arrives, which is just a couple episodes later. Yeah, well, I mean, they were doing these missions, right? But like every member of Team Arrow outside of Felicity was just a bang 'em up vigilante. It was like just a martial arts person. You, like Diggle was army, but he was still martial arts army and firearms. And then you mm-hmm. had bow and arrow, and then you had Black Canary, who was just batons. And there was there's, there was they all had the same capabilities pretty much. Um, and then comes Roy with super strength, but also like the the downside of rage problems. And you're like, yeah, I can get behind this. They've got this secret weapon that just like hurts them and helps them at the same time. Drama. Oh, the drama. Yeah. Uh, And just for reference, average rating for season two of Arrow, 2.62 million, which I believe is down about half a million from uh, the season one average. But that's still really good. Obviously got it renewed. And as we kind of mentioned, better than many, many TV shows. Oh, yeah. And 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. 100% 100% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 11 reviews, so... Not that many reviews, it. but that's... that's uh, are those I, Everybody who rates on Rotten Tomatoes is official-ish, like, a f- official critic. I don't get oh, how yeah. it works. Yeah, they have to be part of, like, some guild and produce at least, like, 100 pieces a year, so... Jeez. Well, yeah. I guess they know what they're talking about. I, I guess that doesn't really prove anything. No, it doesn't. It just proves that you have to write a lot. Yeah, well, that that's something. Practice makes perfect, hopefully. Truth. All right, so let's move on to the comic book section. Ooh. A few characters to make a couple appearances here and there. Uh, you know, we saw Count Vertigo for another time. Uh, we saw Sin. Not going to really go into them because they're not really giant characters at all. But uh, this lady who crosses two seasons now and will more than likely be in season four, right? uh, if, if, if rumors speculate, Huntress. So let's talk about Huntress, a.k.a. Helena Bertinelli, premiered in The Huntress Number 1 in 1989, Joey Cavallari and Joe Stanton. The Huntress bio, and there is a previous – by the way, I must there – there are two Huntresses. There's one from an alternate dimension where she's the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Catwoman. Her name is Helena Wayne. 
that's all you really need to know about that Huntress. That's the the the, the Silver Age Huntress. The yeah, I think so. And but then they just like wiped the slate with that one and created this new character called Helena Bertinelli. She was born into a wealthy mob family. Also came with the risks of being the Dawn's daughter. Her first written origin, tune in here, had her kidnapped and raped by a rival Dawn at the age of six. Cheery mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. No. And not to mention she witnessed her parents' murder by the mafia by age 19. Just to pile that on. Oh, I thought you were going to say she witnessed it during the alleged sexual assault, which would oh, make it geez. even more cheery. <sighs> I don't know, man. The, 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 the early 80s to like 90s, people were they were just like, how messed up can we get? And then, but now that's revised. Current continuity has it. So now she saw her parents killed at age eight, similar to Batman. Um, but instead of Batman not killing, she vows vengeance against all members of the mafia in Gotham. And after significant training to become a vigilante of martial caliber, she goes on a killing spree. This attracts, of course, the attention of Batman, and they develop a relationship where he really sucks at getting her to stop killing and then eventually forces her to just get out of Gotham or he's going to put her down because Bruce Wayne and personal skills don't really mix. She tries to find peace outside of Gotham with Vic Sage, The Question. If you've ever seen the Justice League television series, you know that that's a fun relationship when they're together. Uh, And then after that, she returns to vigilantism shortly after. But a piece of her always remains way too aggressive towards crime, and that always makes other heroes really wary when she's around. She is. She's Rorschach. She is kind of a Rorschach, but not as gruff. She's not, the Punisher. Yeah, she's yeah. a. F- she's but she doesn't use guns. She uses a crossbow. Okay. Neat. <laughs> Next up, we have Nissa Al Ghul. In the television series, she's actually known as Nissa Ratko. She premiered in Detective Comics number 783 in 2003 by Greg Rucka and Klaus Janssen. She is the Russian love child of Raz Al Ghul in the 18th century, a half-sister to Talia Al Ghul. Totally thought she was just Talia renamed for the Arrow TV show. No idea she was an actual comic book character to begin with. But actually, she grew up hearing stories of her father's fantastic life from her mother. When she got older, she trained and sought him out. Impressed, Roz put her next to his side and gave her access to the Lazarus Pits, which of course can bring you back to life. Had a falling out after World War II, where Roz refused to fight the Holocaust, and she was not okay with that. Roz's reasoning was because while the ideal while the ideals of Hitler were wrong, the mass genocide the mass genocide fueled his purification of the world end goal, so he was okay with it. Um Raz al Ghul, man. Because Raz al Ghul is, you know, an anti Semite. <laughs> He's just crazy. Um yeah, anti 
Yeah, anti-Semites fair. I'm not going to kill Hitler, but it's great that he's killing Jews. <laughs> that That's sums it up. Razzle, like, straight up Aryan, Aryan. <laughs> Things were never the same in Nanda Parbat. <laughs> yeah, after that, Nissa leaves and eventually joins up with Batman. Next character, Black Canary again. This is going to be the Dinah Lance version, not the Dinah Drake version. She premiered in Justice League of America number 220 in 1983 by Roy Thomas and Chuck Patton. Sarah Lance, as we see in Arrow, is made for TV. She doesn't exist anywhere in the comic books. So the Black Canary, Dinah Laura Lance, actually has a really rich history uh, post the confusion of everything that came before 1983, which we talked about last week. So this included a career of her own as a strong street-level crime fighter trained by Wildcat. Before joining the Justice League and um, after that, she met Green Arrow, with whom she develops a strong romantic relationship, which we see time and time again. Uh, her canary cry is being described as a metagene absent in both her parents. I'm not sure if that's the curtain continuity, but that's the explanation as of 1983. Uh, she is the Justice League's top hand-to-hand -hand combatant, rivaled only by when Wildcat was younger and Batman. So whenever new recruits come in to be trained in hand-to-hand, -hand, that's Black Canary's job because she's the best at it. And you can see examples of that if you watch the show Young Justice. She is uh, a, a, a very involved member of that amazing television show. Mm -hmm. Truly one of a kind. Next character. We're getting into the villains now. Brother Blood. Premiered in New Teen Titans Volume 1, number 21 in 1982 by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Brother Blood's got a weird history. Started as a 13th century priest called Brother Sebastian. He killed another priest to gain a mystical shawl that reduced his aging and granted him invulnerability. It was cursed in that before his 100th birthday, the priest's son would kill him and take the shawl. This happened seven times in a row until the current Brother Blood in the 2000s has several run-ins with the Teen Titans eventually creating a cult of blood that worshipped Raven's father, Trigon. Also, he grew to have vampiric powers similar to the Superman villain Parasite, which bears to question, though, back to the fact that his son will always kill him on his 100th birthday. Why don't you stop making sons, dude? Um, Seriously, and stop having so many sons near... will come true. Yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, like... If you're going to live for 100 years and you're like invulnerable and kind of like this cult leader, I bet you're going to have sex with a lot of chicks and the curse is going to be like, well, the condom broke. So that kid's going to grow up and kill it. you. <laughs> what? Just don't use a condom. Then it'll never break. <laughs> yeah, I think that defeats that's, me. That's good advice, right? <laughs> yeah, you tell the kids that. Uh, well, you told them you told them the do underage drinking when listening to this, so... No, I said don't do that. Goodness, do you have ears? Pretty sure you said you're going to need to drink to watch this show. 
Yeah, and then I said, don't do it if you're under 21. And then you said, do it anyway. Oh, okay. Maybe. All right, maybe. I had a white Russian before I came on. Uh, <laughs> final I character. I like three bowls of ramen, and I'm still hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all salt. Uh, okay, question on Brother Blood. Yes. Uh, before the show, the only um, exposure I had to this character was on the Teen Titans show back in 2003, where he had, like, psychic powers and some hardcore cyborg envy in which yeah. during like the last episode he turned himself into one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that what, was the weakest season of Teen Titans. Kind of ruined the series for a little bit until they brought it back with the Trigon arc. Ooh, that was a good one. That was really good. Like as a kid I was mind blown with that season. Also because it brought Deathstroke back. Yes, it did. I'm sorry, Slade. 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 Okay, final character here. Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, has always served some sort of weird name issues throughout the years. He premiered in the new Teen Titans, Volume 1, number 2, in 1980, again by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Slade was originally a family man. Uh, he joined the army at 16 and within a short time mastered all forms of military combat and married his commanding officer, Adeline. After the Vietnam War, he goes full mercenary as well as is selected by the army for a secret experiment. Basically, he gets the super soldier serum and becomes even more of a tactical genius and formidable combatant. At one point, his son, Joseph, gets captured, and as a result of Slade not giving up one of his clients' identity, little Joseph gets his throat slit, severing his vocal cords, not killing him, though. Adeline, enraged by the endangerment to her son, blames Slade and shoots him in the eye. That's why he wears an eye patch. Now, Slade's other son, Grant, becomes a mercenary, like his father, takes a contract to kill the Teen Titans. He fails and dies, and Slade agrees to avenge his son by taking the contract. Hence, beginning a long-standing rivalry with the team, he also has vendettas against Batman, who they constantly rival who is the better overall warrior, and Green Arrow, because GA frequently spoils Deathstroke's plots, as well as managed to stab him in his eye once. His bad eye, I'm pretty sure. I think it happened during Identity Crisis. Great series. Must read. Why would he not stab him in his good eye so then, you know, Deathstroke has no eyes? Because he didn't. Definitely Batman's better than him now. Because he didn't see it coming if he stabbed him in the, in the bad eye. Uh, uh, I see it. <laughs> see what you did there. That was a good pun. Uh, and so DS was introduced as Deathstroke the Terminator when he came out. That was his official title. Four years before the famous James Cameron Terminator movie series was released. Um, for years they called him the Terminator and not Deathstroke. And now they just call him Deathstroke. They don't actually, there's no like big licensing fight there. They just sort of relented and was like, we'll just go with this other badass name that we have for our character. Uh, if you're wondering why he was never known as Deathstroke in the Teen Titans television series, fun fact, they were not allowed to give a character the name Death in its title. 
so they changed his name to Slade because it's a kids' TV show. Which is a better option than just calling him Stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) True. Very true. I wonder if you... Yeah, I wonder. I gotta imagine there was some dingle bits in 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 the uh, in the boardroom being like, "Oh, we can't use death. Just call him Stroke." And then just three people looking at him who just said that out loud. Are you a moron? There was there was definitely a a Jedi master on uh, one of the comic books named Bates. Bates. And like it was published. He was in a few episodes, and none of the editors ever caught it. Until he was actually referred to as Jedi Ma- Master Bates, and then they were like, "Oh wait, <laughs> no!" And then he got killed off. <laughs> the wrath of Lucas. <laughs> all right, so that's all going to wrap it up for comic books today. Let's move on to the music. Blake Neely, killing it every time. Yay! I get to talk about another Blake Neely arrow score. Whoop-dee-doop-dee! Uh, it's always a good day. So, in our last episode, talked about how uh, Blake Neely's music to uh, Arrow is pretty exciting, uh, gets the job done, not too demanding, but is usually pretty memorable. This season, we've got another batch of uh, song clips to go through. Let's start things off with Tunnel Fight, which actually takes place kind of late in the season. was a headbanger. Oh, loved it. So much EDM in these, in these clips. It's so good, though. It is really good. And you know what? Like, you perfectly envision what's happening. I don't know if Blake Neely made the soundtrack before he got to see, like, the dailies. Um, or if he was, if he just, like, watched what was going to happen. And then, all right, I'll go make a score to that real quick. Yeah, you know, I imagine there's probably about three key scenes they highlight before the uh, episode gets turned in for the dailies, and it's like, okay, you might want to start thinking about this, and then you see him and whip something out, so. I just, like, those, like, the, the, the beats, you can totally imagine that tunnel fight, though, right? Where they're just going at it, and, and like, you just, like, punches and kicks everywhere, um, just some really exciting action that matches up somewhat to the music, and you're like, man, this is good TV. Oh, yeah, he knows how to uh, match the action choreograph pretty well in this case. Um, Last time I had made mention of a uh, cue that I wanted to find for season one. Couldn't find it. Uh, I found some version of it here in the uh, track Own Worst Enemy, and that's kind of more the dramatic side of things, so let's take a listen. Thank you. 
This feels like a very similar track to Sacrifice in season one. The season one finale song over Tommy Merlin's death. You know, it. I don't even need to really watch the show. I can just see it all now. Oliver's giving some kind of soliloquy about how being the arrow hurts the people around him. And I don't know if I can <laughs> save this city without uh, losing the people I love. <laughs> which is more important, this weird city character or real people? When are we going to meet this city person? I don't know. Yeah, I know. Everybody keeps failing her. I know. Poor woman. Uh, the city was like the main character in the spirit. Oh, she's no. so multi-talented. And she, also... She's not... the only reason that... that um, shoot, what's his name? The I spirit. don't her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of the spirit, what's the title of the next track? Never again. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, th- I think is actually the final fight between uh, Oliver and Slade. At least that's what I've been led to believe. If not, I'd be really upset. Let's listen. sure hope Blake Neely likes his job. Blake Neely has not failed us. <laughs> he has definitely not failed this city. No. And I will say this, even uh, in season three, when that season teeters on almost being unwatchable in parts, even the score picks up the slack. So, Indeed. And we will I talk think, about that later. I think Maybe. we found the secret to this uh, show. No, <clears throat> Honestly, the the music of season one is really what captivated me a lot of just, wow, uh, some some really high pace act. It's just a mixture of that orchestral sound and EDM. Mm, that's a winning combination for an Arrow TV show, I guess. Pronounced orchestral. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> In case it wasn't obvious, I have nothing more to add on music. It's all oh. good. Yeah, you can just you know you can just be like, hey, and that wraps it up for music. Oh, <laughs> outro, sure. Yeah, uh, it's like you know sure. what, I, I, the, I, I, that's great, and that wraps it up. Well, All right. well, hey, guess what? That wraps it up for music. Oh, thank you. All You're right, welcome. and now we know what happens next. Yeah. Uh, we end the show. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. We've got our fan favorite section here. Oh, shit. Our, I gotta our... put my headphones back in. Oh, oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He's not, he wasn't ready, and now he's ready. I was about to leave, and then you were like, no, no, no. Our, our local professor. Um, you are a real professor. I am not a real professor. Don't put that oh, on me. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, what does that make you? A graduate a teacher? teaching assistant. Oh, our real TA. There we go. Ben Anderson, let's talk science. Okay. We've got three topics tonight. Yep. What do you want to hit first? Uh, well, I'd like to 
get it from the back to the melody of roll it slow. I gotta get up in it fast, but I'm finished last because no matter how thug you see, I still spit it like it's R and B. Now to the club with me. Uh, um but yeah, let's talk about Mirakuru. Mirakuru Which is something I didn't I again I didn't watch the show. Well, it's a super drug. Okay. Super uh, strength. Super strength. You need to take a sedative before you have it, otherwise it'll probably kill you. Okay. It's 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 like this sort of steroid that's permanent, okay. um, and also makes you crazy. Too. Okay. So there is a, a real life analog for this kind of drug. PCP. It's called, it's called crystal meth. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, the 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 danger of a drug like this is that you know. Your body has like limits on like how much muscle you can use at once because if you you know you could easily damage your body if you um, that's why you hear about like people lifting cars but then they never do it again because having like doing all that work does damage to your body and so you only want to do it when you really need to. Can 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 we convert this into a a basic discussion on super strength? In general, because they yeah. like so many comic book characters mm-hmm. just like take some sort of drug, uh, it, it just admitted by some sort of ray, mm-hmm. um, radiation or something, and they look the same, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more toned, basically, yeah. but they can lift a car over their head. Yeah, like I think it's worth noting that superheroes are a bunch of dope fiends who actively use drugs at their leisure. I mean, Jessica Jones. Captain America. Uh, yeah. And, well, Captain America was it was for a good cause. It was to fight Nazis. Um, right. if, if your country says take steroids to fight Nazis, I guess you got to do it. And but, but 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 like I feel as if in order to lift a car over your head, there needs to be some sort of mass in your body. Um, like how dense can your muscles get? Ooh, I have no idea. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a physiologist. I'm a. Okay. I'm barely a mathematician. That'll um, be a question for another time. But that's where I wanted to steer or, a little. I don't know. Is Grant pre-med? He is pre-med. Yeah, you can you can ask him. He'd probably know. We'll bring Grant on. So, um, but, he'll yeah. be on eventually. <laughs> yeah. So um, probably the other two are are better topics because I looked into them. Oh, okay. So let's hit Bolo Arrows. Okay. Uh, okay. What about them? Well, you see in the season finale, I mean, we're going to do kind of like one trick arrow a mm-hmm. season. Uh, he didn't really have a ton in the Arrow show. I mean, it's not till season... Is it season three he busts out the boxing glove arrow? Yeah, <laughs> it's season three. Um, but in this in this one, you see the Bolo Arrows a little bit, and they are just these arrows that sort of explode mm-hmm. in front of... A, its target and then turn into wires that if your target is like next to a pole pole or something um, or if not it'll just wrap around him these really tight coils him or her mm-hmm. yeah so the the idea is you well bolos are actually like legitimate things that people actually hunt with and stuff so it's like a it's like a rope with a bunch of like usually like two or three like stones at the end of it, and you whip it around in a circle like a lasso, and then you throw it, and then they'll spin, and then when they hit the object, they'll like 
the string will stop, but the balls will keep rotating because conservation of angular momentum. Yeah, yeah, until yeah. Until they wrap all the way around. You you've played bolo ball, uh, 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 lawn golf. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, redneck golf. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of names for it. You've more than likely played it. Mm-hmm. I played it. I know exactly what you're talking about. But like, if you're shooting an arrow strapped with this device inside of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how how that works. How you can get these like heavy because it, it works best if like this the stones at the end of the rope are really heavy. You know, so they're carrying a lot of momentum and can wrap. They'll be spinning really fast and then wrap around tightly. So I don't know how you pack a massive object like that inside a skinny little, you know, arrow, which has to be skinny enough that you can actually shoot it. Well, yeah, that and to get them to, like, tie, too. Yeah, like, just getting it to wrap around, that's easy. Getting it to actually, like, tie a knot is... Like, constrict someone. impossible. Yeah, like, you can tangle their legs... Yeah. But like to actually constrict a body like in the chest. That's a yeah. big area to cover. Yeah. Um but I enjoy how they're the do so when they use them for hunting on like animals like in Aust- I, is this an Australian thing I'm pretty oh, sure? Probably. It's it's common like they're they're all over. It's, you know. Oh. Different groups have invented the same the same type of thing. Okay, are they are they called bolos everywhere? Uh that's the only name I know them by. I'm sure different cultures call them different things because, you know, language. Stone, stringy things. Yeah. Stone lassos. Yeah, basically. I think what we can all agree on is Oliver Queen has a great new tool in the apprehension of pole dancers. <laughs> what? Jeez. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I went to... I went to uh, okay, this, this might be TMI, um, but... <laughs> Uh, the other weekend, uh, I went to uh, the Gay 90s up in Minneapolis. Very nice. Okay. It was, it was a fun time. Oh, no stories? Oh, Just oh, you well, went no, there? there? There's, like, poles that you could dance on. I didn't. I thought you were going to say someone got boloed there. Oh, no. Also, like, <laughs> Which, depending on, on your definition, show. maybe. Put on a good drag show. It was fun. Fantastic. So let's touch on... That last topic tonight. Let's touch on that last topic. Just touch it. Just touch it. Touch it. Poke it with a stick. No, don't don't poke it with the stick, or it'll it'll probably bite you to defend its territory. Yes, Tibetan pit vipers. Yeah. Because so. they talk about it a lot in the show. Mirakuru is a drug steroid that makes you super buff and super tense, and also for some reason increases like your heart rate. Um. Mm-hmm. Because you got to pump all this blood in order to have super strength, um, and they're like regular tranks. Don't don't take people down. You can't just hit them with a horse tranquilizer. You need something way more potent. And so they keep mentioning that they have Tibetan pit viper venom. Mm-hmm. What's the deal, Ben? Uh, Tibetan Tibetan pit viper is a real kind of snake, and they really are venomous. Uh, but their their venom is not a sedative. Uh, their their venom is a type of toxin called a hemotoxin, uh, which means it uh, destroys red blo- red blood cells. And what that does is it causes all kinds of tissue damage, uh, disrupts blood clotting. It's no good. Um, but it, it's not a sedative. Won't make you sleepy. 
but if 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 is it a sedative on people who have abnormally tremendously high blood pressure, blood blood pressure, heart rate? Hmm. Let's let's see. Because it's what blood cells. Yeah. So, like and and we could you know do some comic book science and construe it so that it causes anemia. So you're getting less healthy red blood cells to your brain. So it'd be like you'd be like in a fog of carbon monoxide. So in a comic booky way, potentially, I'll allow it. <laughs> Good. Not debunked. But again, in a in a comic booky way. Yeah, uh, but I mean, uh, in actuality, it would be very painful, cause a lot of bruising, and then you die. Fair. So. But aren't there other like medicinal uses of snake venom? Uh, indeed, there are. Um, the the hemotoxic qualities of snake venom actually make it useful um, if you have some kind of blood clotting disorder. So if you want your blood to clot faster or slower, you'll use different types of snake venom to uh, deal with that. So taipan is a type of snake. Uh, protein, a protein in their venom uh, is, is expected for controlling excessive bleeding after like a, a trauma. So if your arm gets ripped off, just fizzle some venom on there. It, it is in treating, you know, abnormal blood clotting, internal blood clots, so strokes, poten- uh, potentially. Okay. Um, yeah, stuff, stuff like that. They're, it's pretty useful, um, you know, in very controlled whatever. <laughs> it, is, it is actually toxic. True. But, you know, the, uh, the dose makes the poison, so to speak. Okay. Any other science, Benjamin? That's all I got. That's all, That's all got. you got tonight. Yeah. All right. Short and sweet. Short. Well, you know, we learned about some pit vipers. We learned a little bit more about bolos and what they can do with the world. Mirakuru just kind of feels like a rehash of the Super Soldier Serum, but you know what? It's what it is. Yeah. But with the side effect of rage, which adds a bit more dramatic tension, right. you don't just become a perfect person mm-hmm. after you take it. Yeah. Um, you become a little crazy. Like Crystal Mouth. Yeah, like crystal meth. Yeah, you don't come permanently crazy. Does crystal meth make you permanently crazy? Uh, Eventually. No. <laughs> With but enough. You'll come down from your high and then just have withdrawal. Mm, okay. Well, then. I'm sure there's still long-term side effects to frequent drug use, yeah, though. Don't, so don't, don't do drugs. Don't. Yeah. Stay away from meth. Take it makes your teeth fall out. I have enough <laughs> dreams about my teeth falling out. That oh. I don't want to actually encourage that in my real life. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I was going to say, of all the uh, mugshots I've seen of people who do crystal meth, they don't look like these beefed up muscular superhero people. No, no, not at all. Quite the opposite, really. <laughs> I thought, I thought, I mean, like, I thought you were going to talk about PCP. Doesn't that, like, make you super ragey? Um,. And give you, like, actual enhanced strength? It'll make you fight cops. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, not... you'll be able to take a taser and, and keep punching the pole. But <laughs> when you come down from that, it's going to be then, no fun. But then police officers don't take kindly to being punched. Yeah, I'm sure they don't. <laughs> um, but it's okay, because usually after you come down from a massive PCP dosage, you just die anyway, so. Really? That's from my understanding, yeah. Oh, well. Well, you can overdose on anything, can't you? That one, apparently, 
more so than not. Welcome to Super Movie Studies. Uh, three dudes who think they know about drugs and don't. Yep. Three white suburban boys talk about addicting drugs with no experience. We're so dope. That's that's how we're coming across right now. <laughs> okay. Um, that looks like it's going to wrap it up today. Uh, no fun facts today, unfortunately. Drinking games, again, somebody else made them. You know, uh, we can make our own, but they're going to be very similar. Uh, by season two, Laurel starts to get unbearable. Uh, the, the, and by season three, Fucking it's Laurel. pretty much complete. You know, she was so good in season one. All right, let's not take that away from her. The character. And just <sighs> the writing kept getting weirder and weirder, and I don't think Katie Cassidy had a good direction with the character. Um, and I don't want to blame her for her acting ability because it is still, I say, quite good. It's actually very well, it's up not, and down. It's not her fault. No, no. It was all it's this the whole, They don't know what to do with it because they're like, we need to make her Black Canary, but like, there's no reason to is the problem. Uh, no good reason, and they want to make it happen really fast. Hashtag Black Canaries Matter. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's this whole crap that starts up this season, like, oh, my sister's alive that lets me be a drug addict, and how dare you judge me while I judge you the entire fucking season. Yeah, and they give her some weird judicial powers, too, uh, that don't make any sense. That as gets like really bad in the third season. Yeah, her, like, she steps way out of jurisdiction, and everybody's, like, okay with it. And as even as someone who does not understand much about legal practice, you go, hold on. Pretty sure she does not have the power to shut down a city as a DA. Ugh, whatever. Uh, small amount of venting of season two is, it's pristine, guys. Uh, season three will get a little rough. But we're not going to do that next week because St. Patrick's Day is over and gone. No more green for us. By next week, you should be getting ready for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice coming out. And in order to prep for that, we're going to do Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2, the animated movies for you, just so you can get prepared. Watch four hours of animated comic book and then read the graphic novel or do whatever version you want first. <laughs> but both are pretty freaking great. They are, and I've heard there's going to be some similarities between the two movies, so... Uh... <laughs> some some lines that might get crossed. Uh, by lines that cross, I mean like quotes. Anyway, that looks like it's gonna wrap it up. Super Movie Studies is recorded and produced by Triop Cop Productions. If you like what you hear, show us your support by rating us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. How many different ways and sayings can we should get some ratings on iTunes? Um, please. Thank you. Um, I'd pay you. I have no way to give you money. Um, I suppose I could do it over Facebook. No, I won't pay you. That's against the fact. I'm giving it's you a product for free. It is against. No, oh, uh, uh, it, I'm paying them for a service to write us a review. Uh, I don't know. I've seen other podcasts do it, man. It's unethical. It's highly unethical. Highly you know unethical. It, you know it is ethical. Yes. Uh, promoting our official website, triopcop.com. T-R-I-O-P-C-O-P.com. Yay. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out.
Uh, well, the deal with the the website is 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 you can check it out. It's fair. Uh, it, there'll be a a couple things there, but we're gonna get moving on the integration. I think. Um, by the time this comes out, I will have uploaded some files to it. You know, you can listen to uh, the 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 new versions of old episodes without the preambles because those are about to go away. Um, so download those if you really want to keep them. If you really want to hear Skylar use the same racial slur like 12 times in a row. <laughs> yes, download no the Green reason. Lantern episode. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a preamble thing so much as a every episode thing. <laughs> um, I I have deleted the very uh, well. It's not going to be gone from the fiftieth anniversary, so it'll always exist. Uh, <laughs> I I suppose I should thank you for this someday. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So um, let's wrap it up. Yeah. All right, uh, make sure to check us out on Twitter at SuperMStudies. Let us know at which point you realized Laurel was just the fucking worst in this season. And we'll compare notes. <laughs> True. All right, that'll do it today. I'm your host, Michael Maurer. I'm Skylar Houtsma. And Ben Anderson. And I hope you all have a super good Bye.